Chapter 30 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B., M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 30 Diabetes Mellitus. Diabetes is a disease of nutrition in which sugar, glucose, cannot be utilized in the usual way. Hence, it appears in the blood and is excreted in the urine, glycosuria, the amount of which is greatly increased. Etiology Heredity seems to play an important part. The disease is most frequent after 40 years of age, and generally speaking, the earlier in life an individual is affected, the more severe is the type of the disease, and vice versa. Diabetes often develops after an infection or an injury. The pathology is cloaked in such complexity and obscurity that no mention will be made of it. Symptoms The disease is gradual and insidious in its onset. Often the first symptom is sugar in the urine, which is accidentally discovered in the course of a routine examination, as, for instance, for life insurance. Other symptoms, which are rather characteristic, are 1. Excessive hunger 2. Excessive thirst 3. The passing of an exceedingly large amount of pale, straw-colored urine from 3 to 10 quarts in 24 hours 4. Emaciation and increasing weakness 5. Crops of boils or carbuncles 6. Intense itching, often about the genitals. 7. The characteristic urinary findings. A. Large amount of urine voided. B. High specific gravity. 1.030 to 1.045. C. The presence of sugar. In untreated cases, the disease progresses steadily, and a condition known as acidosis appears, i.e., the overloading of the body with acids. Substances known as beta-oxybutyric acid and acetone appear in the urine. The appearance of these chemical compounds pave the way for the last act in the evolution of the disease. 8. Diabetic coma. This may come on with weakness, a sweetish odor to the breath, due to acetone, somnolence, and gradually developing unconsciousness, the patient dying in a few hours. Diabetic coma may begin with nausea, vomiting, headache, delirium, great distress, and dyspnea. Finally, there are cases in which, without any previous warning, the patient is seized with headache, a sense of intoxication, and rapidly passes into a deep coma which ends in death. Complications. The manifestations in the skin have been mentioned. It is a fact that diabetics show very little resistance to infection, and that in them trivial wounds and scratches become the starting point for a spreading cellulitis, ending often in gangrene. Pulmonary tuberculosis is not infrequent and is very fatal. Albuminuria is also of fairly common occurrence. Prognosis. In untreated cases of diabetes, 
the outlook is absolutely bad under careful management much can be done for the patient though it is not possible to speak of cure in connection with this disease however in the mild and moderately severe types judicious treatment will prolong life for years under very comfortable conditions but vigilance must never be relaxed for the roots of sin are there and if the patient insists on exceeding his dietetic limitations he soon pays for his indiscretion by a return of the old train of symptoms in the severest types of the disease but little can be done treatment the treatment of diabetes is receiving a great deal of attention at present and it is a transition stage for many ideas that had taken root firmly are threatened in their security by the work of dr frederick m allen and his so-called starvation treatment the problem of the management of the diabetic is becoming better understood and the outlook for the patient is becoming proportionately more hopeful the first thing to be done with a diabetic is of course to determine his carbohydrate intolerance in other words to discover how much carbohydrate food he can care for without sugar appearing in the urine in order to determine this factor the urine must be first rendered sugar-free this is done by one of two methods one gradual withdrawal of carbohydrate foods two sudden and complete withdrawal of all foods allen's starvation method one gradual withdrawal of carbohydrate foods the patient is placed on an ordinary diet for a couple of days and the amount of sugar in the twenty-four hour urine is determined he is then placed on a strict or carbohydrate free diet see accompanying list compiled by dr e p joslin of boston plus one hundred grams white bread sixty grams carbohydrate for three days each day the amount of sugar in the twenty-four hour urine is determined in very mild cases the urine may become sugar-free in three days or less in moderately severe cases the sugar output may fall to between twenty grams and ten grams in severe cases the amount of sugar may equal the sixty grams of carbohydrate taken in or even exceed that amount in mild cases and in those of medium severity after the urine has been rendered sugar-free twenty grams of white bread may be added to the diet every other day until sugar reappears in the urine and when this occurs the total amount of white bread tolerated is easily known this amount must never be exceeded though substitutions can be made as shown by the accompanying convenient table while testing carbohydrate tolerance sodium bicarbonate should be given when the carbohydrate intake falls below sixty grams two sudden and complete withdrawal of all foods this method of managing diabetes has been in use but since nineteen fourteen the results are as yet inconclusive it holds forth such promise however and is so extensively in use among those best qualified to judge that the nurse 
should be familiar with the general principles involved. Under this method of treatment, the patient is compelled to fast until the urine is sugar-free and for 24 or 48 hours longer. In severe cases, alcohol, being a food that does not cause glycosuria, is given. Sodium bicarbonate is also administered for the first few days, but is then discontinued. After the urine has been sugar-free for from 24 to 48 hours, feeding is undertaken very slowly and cautiously, but not according to any fixed program, since it is desirable to individualize the diet to suit the special need of the particular patient. The only requirement is that the urine shall remain sugar-free. The appearance of even a trace of sugar is the signal for a fast day. The original fast may last from two to ten days. Subsequent fasts, according to Allen, need never exceed one day. To obtain carbohydrate tolerance, 200 grams of vegetables of 5% class, see Joslin's table, are added, increasing until sugar appears in the urine. A fast day is at once instituted, and the carbohydrate tolerance being known the limit is not exceeded. Protein tolerance is also estimated by adding gradually to the dietary eggs and meat until sugar appears in the urine, or a quantity of protein sufficient for the needs of the body is being consumed. In some cases, fat tolerance must be determined as well. During the fast, patients lose considerable weight, this Allen considers beneficial. Later, the patient is permitted to gain weight as long as he can do so without the reappearance of glycosuria. The accompanying schema and tables of Dr. Joslin, pages 248 through 9, give in concrete form a working basis for the management of cases of diabetes by the Allen method. These will not be read. Drugs play a very small part in the management of cases of diabetes. At one time, opium in large doses, usually in the form of codeine, was widely used. Arsenic has many adherents. Many other drugs have been recommended, but have failed to be of lasting benefit. Diabetic coma. As coma is one of the manifestations of acidosis, the patient should be saturated with alkalis. Sodium bicarbonate is usually used by mouth, by rectum, or intravenously. Free catharsis, obtained usually by use of salines, is indicated. Oxygen, by inhalation, may lessen the air hunger and dyspnea. Recovery from coma is rare, but not impossible. Itching. This is often almost intolerable. Prolonged warm soda baths are of aid, and mild solutions of ammonia water and phenol help. Vaginal douches are of aid, and scrupulous cleanliness of the parts is important. In diabetes, as in almost no other disease, the nurse can be of inestimable aid to the physician and to the patient. With a knowledge of the principles of treatment, with reference to tables giving food values, and with ability to make the very simple test for the presence of sugar, not the quantity present, 
she can take a case along from day to day very satisfactorily and can make the small individual changes and variations in the patient's dietary thus relieving the doctor from details end of chapter thirty